Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hey, uh, just a quick question. Is there, uh, is there any virgins in the audience? Any virgins? Go ahead, raise your hand. All right. Now, you know, some of you might have chosen not to acknowledge that physically, but in your mind, you know whether or not that's true for you. But I want to take the archetype of a virgin and kind of put some power behind it. How many times during the day do you have a virgin experience within that day? Let me give you a few examples. In the morning, when you become consciously present that you're in your bed and you have yet to have a single thought in your mind, blink, blink, no thought yet, blink, blink, no thought, you're a virgin in that moment, within the context of that day. And there's so much potential in what that day can bring you, that virgin perspective that says, today, today, this day, this day now, I can lose my virginity as it comes to choose an archetype, to being bold, to being brave, to being vulnerable, to, to start even a new trajectory in your life. There's a curious thing that happens in the morning, every morning, hundreds of times a year, we start up that thought process. We, we turn on that thinking brain of ours. And before that happens, we're as virgin as virgin can be. We're as pure as the, the white snow of winter. How about going about your day with virgin eyes? To see something that was perhaps mundane yesterday, trivial, commonplace, and yet to look at it again with virgin eyes. To see it in a new context, a new way. The reason I bring this up is it's a good thing our soul is patient with us. <laughs> our soul, from from my perspective, is this vast multidimensional consciousness, this realm of of potential that I don't think our egos can even comprehend. And yet it seems like the lowest common denominator is our flipping ego. 
for many of us, the ego fires up in the morning and, and we start our monkey mind and we get this busyness going and we look at our phones and we scroll through social media and we, we start a habitual pattern, a habitual habit, if you will, a monologue that is so similar to yesterday that it's so similar to yesterday that it really doesn't have anything to offer us that's new, that's fresh. Unless, unless, you're listening to less, from, from that stillness in that first moment of consciousness, we have a fierce freedom if we have the wherewithal to, to find it, to recognize it. And actually, that fierce freedom can be found right after a period of a sentence. In the silence of this moment, I can, I can start totally new narratives. Well, hell, I think I'm going to get some cattle and a couple of hundred acres and start a farm up with it where people can come and visit and reconnect with the earth. I don't know where that came from, but th- that is a seed, a, a seed of potential that exists that I could nurture and grow and create a whole new narrative for my life. But before that thought came, I was a virgin to that thought. So just just play around with the, the, the notion of, of your virginity. What aspects of your life, of your potential, what narratives, what archetypes, what trajectories are you a virgin to that you've never considered? And what would it feel feel like to lose that virginity and, and open up to a bigger space, a bigger dynamic, a bigger story of who you might be in this lifetime? That's just a thought, but I, damn, I think we're in for a hell of a show tonight. I'm very excited. I think we should jump right to it. The topic tonight is the mosaic, and our guest tonight is Daniel Bruce Levin. Boy, howdy. Um, The mosaic is a book that um, Daniel has written, and uh, it's really such a delight. Um, The mosaic follows the journey of Mo a boy who loses his parents two years apart on the same day. When he asks the adults where his parents went, they tell him they are in heaven. Mo sets out to find the place called heaven. And along the way, he meets an assortment of ordinary people who are anything but ordinary. The Mosaic is a magical book that will inspire conversation around the possibilities that exist when when we are able to see what we do not see, to see with virgin eyes. It will be entertaining 
It will entertain and uplift you through the magic of connection, and it will linger with you well after you finish its story. Our guest Daniel walked away from an opportunity to run a billion-dollar business to hitchhike around the world to find happiness and inner peace. He studied in a seminary five years and left one day before becoming a rabbi. And he has lived as a monk in a monastery for 10 years. As director of business development, he grew Hay House from a $3 million a year in sales to $100 million a year in revenue. I think we should jump right to it. Join me in welcoming Daniel to the show. Daniel, it's so nice to have you on the show tonight. How are you, brother? What a beautiful story. I, I I want to adopt virgin consciousness. I love that. I love the way you presented that. I love that idea. And it's so absolutely mosaic. So I am thrilled to be here. We've had a few conversations this short, <laughs> but I already love you, brother. And I can't wait to get jumping into this thing and see where it takes us. Thank you so much for having me. It is my sheer pleasure to have you here with us. Um, I'm delighted to have you on the show. Boy, you know, to to look at your life narrative, you've really done some very bold things. I mean, to spend five years to become a rabbi and the day before um, out the door. I mean, how 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 would you describe that? kind of impulsive aspect of yourself? I mean, is this something that's always been there or did a hankering show up somewhere along the way? (laughs) You know, I think that most people would look at me and say, I have commitment phobia because, (laughs) you know, I just just spent this all this time. (laughs) And they would say, well, this guy's pretty messed up. And I probably, and I spent a lot of time thinking that maybe I had that too. But what happened for me only as I got older is I realized how much courage it takes to go against the narrative and go against the current of just following along, like you said in your, in your intro, just following along one day after another, doing what you did the day before because, gosh, that's what I was studying to do or this was the opportunity that I had in front of me. But when I actually sat with it at the day, each day when I woke up, when I actually had a virgin moment, when I woke up that day that I was going to become ordained, I realized I couldn't do it because I didn't have the belief system my teacher was teaching me. And I couldn't take ordination in his name because I would do dishonor to his name because I didn't believe what he believed. And so there was only one option for me. I had to walk away from it. And it didn't matter that I spent five years getting ready to take this ordination. It didn't matter that I, wasn't, I was going to change direction. What it mattered to me most was the integrity of my own human being, of being able to say to myself, are you living today the life that you dream of living today? And all too often, just like in your opening monologue, I wonder how many people 
just continue the life that they're living because they don't know the options exist to do something different. And I don't blame them for one minute because it takes tremendous courage. When I look back, I was ridiculed. I was laughed at. Who leaves the chance to run a multi-billion dollar company to go hitchhike around the world? Even my best friend like said, get out of here. You're stupid. I never want to see you again. We were going to do such amazing <laughs> things. Right? And right. he was right. We, we were talking. We would sit around the, the fountain and we would play music and we would, in those days, we would smoke a little bit of marijuana and we would just talk about what we were going to do when we inherited the money that was coming to us and how we were going to use it to change the world. And when I left, he said, you're an idiot. Who gives up that? And I had to think maybe he was right. Let well, us the, off. The, I'm going to, I'll tell you another story if we get a chance to when I saw him later. But Oh, we'll get beautiful. a chance. You said the integrity of my own human being. It's uh, it's a curious thing. I li- I like to hold everything that I think I know with a feather. Um, the, the moment I kind of anchor something in my mind as some kind of a concrete um, knowledge or um, I, I don't know. It just um, it just seems like. To be open to a, a bigger narrative, and 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 what I really like about what you shared is, okay, so here's a here's a billion dollar company, and you could have taken that tangent, but there there's such momentum to it, and I don't want to cast the momentum as positive or negative or or yeah. whatever, but had you had you chosen that path. Um, it seems like there'd be so much definition to who you are, and it's. I think we can be, we can be slaves to being empty in the sense that we we avoid taking on um, a challenge or responsibility. But the flip side of that is we can be addicted to uh, a responsibility or a sense of self. And for you to turn and just to walk away and start an, a new path, uh, uh, undefined future. Um, wow, that's that's powerful. How did um, you already shared that you had pushback? But were you confident through that whole thing, or did you second oh, guess God, yourself? No. I, I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing, but I just, I, 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 I like here. I, I was a I was a 17-year-old kid when I walked away from an opportunity that was, that was going to be breastfed to me. I was going to start at the bottom and work my way up to the top. And, and the man who ran the company happened to be my uncle. When my parents passed away, I went to move with, in with them. He said, Danny, we'll start you at the bottom. We will, I want to see how quickly you can rise. Wherever you stumble, I'll be there. I'll pick you up. I'll mentor you. I'll get you over that hard hurdle. We'll get you started again. You'll keep rising until you can't rise anymore, and then I will pick you up, and I will get you to where we got to go. Because in 15 years, I got, I'm out of here. And so wow. who, wouldn't, who wouldn't want that opportunity? 
that's a that's a that's a gift. And for me to look that opportunity in the face and say thank you so so very much, that's your job. That's your company. That isn't wow. what I was brought here to do. And as much as as much as the allure of that is great, and I'm there is no good or bad of what that was. Right. It was just not mine. And so and I've done that so many times that I started to look and say, maybe I don't have commitment phobia. Maybe I'm deeply committed to living a life that's my life. And I know how hard that is for people. And I know how hard it is to go against the grain of what everybody thinks you have to do. But if you don't do it, if you live somebody else's life, if you don't stand up for the life that is yours to be, to, to be lived, right. who's life for you living? What are you doing? And I have the honor of being able to say, I feel really beautiful in the life that I've been given. And I feel really honored to have gotten to know myself in this life and to live as much as I, as I can fully in purpose to the man that I am. And that changes. Like I'm 66 years old and it's still changing. I saw sure. a conversation saying, what in the heck am I doing here? Now I'm like, I have my, I have my gift. I've got the mosaic. It's exactly what I know. But like, really, what am I doing with that? Like, how am I going to do anything with that? Like, am I really going to bring this world together and get them to connect with each other and put aside their petty differences so that they can connect deeper? Who the heck do I think I am? Well, you, that's you the share. question everybody asks. That's the question everybody asks when they're meant to come, when they stand face-to-face with their purpose. And it takes right. tremendous courage to look it in the eye and say, whoever I am, I'm going to do it because it's mine. Very, very powerful words that you're sharing right now. So you, you've described who you are as, as uh a beautiful thing, an honored thing, uh, uh, fully and in purpose. Now, had you stayed and and played out your uncle's narrative, how, I mean, it, it, we're kind of poking at it with a stick because it's so hypothetical, <laughs> but, but there's... Yes. Um, I, I, you're very vibrant, you're very uh, conscious, you're very uh, intentional, and I, I just wonder, um, to daydream, had you not chosen that path and did step into the uncle narrative, um, who, who would have you become, and how, um, how, uh, what's the word depleted of this richness of who you are? Perhaps I mean it's hypothetical, but Sorry. I mean you you chose some very bold ways to. It's like as soon as your life shows structure, you tip it over and invent a new one, and and there's a a fierce sense of freedom in that. Does that yes. make sense? Oh, completely. And and I don't want to prescribe to knowing what would have happened if I would have, because I believe in a world where just about anything is possible, if we can see a way to make it possible, 
When I was 17 years old, I couldn't do it. When I look back right now with the consciousness I have and the way of living I have, I could walk back into that today, and I think that I could be okay. I can't tell you that I would. But here's what I can tell you. My friend that I was talking about earlier, who was my best friend, who we were, we were set to do amazing things together as kids. Our, our, his, parent, his, his dad and mom were supporting him in doing it. We told them about it. They loved what we were about to do. My uncle was supporting me in it. And when I left, it all, it all fell down. He, couldn't, he said, I need you to do this. I can't do this on my own. And I said, I'm sorry. I've, got to, I've just got to do what I've got to do. I've, I'm so sorry. And he, he said, I never want to talk to you again. Wow. I didn't talk to my best friend for 30 years. I was, I was coming up the elevator in the Mandarin Oriental Hotel in New York. The elevator comes from the ground, ground level up to the 34th floor, which is where the lobby is. And you come up to the lobby on the 34th floor, and then you go out of that elevator, and you get into another elevator to go up to your room. As I was walking out of that elevator, who did I see? Walking in was my best friend from when I was 15 years old. Wow. He, had a, he had three girls hanging on him. He, they were loud. They were boisterous. And I looked over. I said, Neil? And remember, this is in the time that an elevator door opens and people get out and someone gets in. Right. I said, Neil? And he, he said, who said my name? And I said, I did. He said, how do you know my name? I said, really, you've forgotten, huh? I said, Neil, I was your best friend when we were 15 years old. He said, Danny, I can't believe it. Come with me. We're going to the club. I have plenty of girls here, and I have more girls. We're going to do some Coke. We're going to, do some, we're going to, we're going to drink some scotch. We're going to smoke some cigars. We're going to dance. We're going to have a great time. And I looked at him, and I said, you know, probably not for me right now. Maybe 15, 20 years ago, that would have been great. Right. But not for me right now. I said, I'll tell you what, how about if we meet for lunch tomorrow? Because I'm sure you'll stay out late. He looked at the girls he was with. He gave them $1,000. He said, go have fun. I'm going to get out. He got out of the elevator with me, and he said, would you at least drink some scotch with me? I have really good scotch up in my room. And smoke a cigar with me and just catch up. And we sat in the Mandarin Oriental lobby overlooking Central Park from 10.30 at night till 4.30 in the morning talking. Uh -huh. When we were about to go, when, he, when we got tired and he, and he had to go to sleep and I had to go to sleep, he looked at me and he said, I hated you. And I said, I know, Neil, it, it really hurt me. I don't know why he hated me. And he said, because you broke my dream. And I looked at you and I thought you were just friggin' crazy. But I look at you now. And I look at me. I have more money than God. I can do anything I want in the world. But here's my reality. I'm on my fourth wife. I cheat on her in every city that I go to. There were three girls here with me in my room. We were going to the club. There were t 10 more there. I have, my kids don't talk to me. And I look at you. You don't have nearly what I have but you have everything I want. Right. I look at you and I feel this peace in you and I want that. 
And I said, Neil, it's easy. I'll come and I'll come and we'll, we'll sit together. I, I, that's so easily transferable. We can get that. I can help you get that. And he said, I'm going to call you as soon as I get back home. That was over 15 years ago, Ness. I haven't heard from him since. And so one of my biggest pains is, is that people don't take the time to know themselves. If he would have taken the time to know himself, he would have been able to do amazing things in the world. He's doing good things. He gives to charities. He gives to, he gives to you know, help people. But not in the way that he could have if he would have owned, if he would get to know himself, because he comes home to a person that is broken in half, and he hates what he sees in the mirror. Well, you know the 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 heart of humanity. Beautiful story because it, in a way, it kind of reflected. Uh, not that anything's set in stone, how your narrative might have turned out had you stayed on that trajectory. But, you know, the um, the heart of humanity is really, really hungry right now. There's so much upheaval in the collective. There's so much kind of tug of war about right and wrong and what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And there's some pretty stout polarization in the collective. And uh, I I think what people are really hungry for is um, instead of having an outer sense, an outer compass, uh, a narrative that the collective draws up on either side of either coin, of any coin, yeah. That that we insert into us. I think what people are really hungry for is to to go inside and find a compass that works within the storm, that works within this karmic tsunami that humanity is going through. I mean, it's like we're going through puberty and there's no parents around, and we're we're. <laughs> We're stumbling over ourselves, and what we're—I think what we're ultimately hungry for is a sense of self that transcends any of the dogma, the the tug of war that the collective's going through, so we can feel a sense of groundedness, a sense of identity, a sense of perhaps purpose within ourselves today, today, yeah. this day. Yeah. And and as you shared that story, I think that's kind of some of of what Neil was um, seeing in you that he he perhaps longed for but didn't have the discipline to pursue. Yeah, you know, Mosaic has shown me so many things. I I it's very kind of you to, to say that I wrote it, but I spent three years trying to write it, and every time I would try and write it, it would destroy it. It would. I would save a file. It wouldn't be there in the morning. I would get my wife to save a file, and it was like gone. And I was like, I got so frustrated and so mad. I would wake up in the middle of the night to make sure that I got to it before it could destroy it, and it was already gone. And three years of doing that and trying to reconstruct it and trying to rewrite it and trying to do it. And finally, I said, duh, hold it. Something's trying to say something to me. And I asked the characters to come for tea. I brought them together on a Zoom call, a, a metaphoric Zoom call. 
And I said, what in the hell is going on here? You Like, I keep writing it. You keep destroying it. What are you trying to tell me? Because this is, this is unbearable. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Three years of doing it. Imagine putting your heart and soul into doing your life's work, and it gets destroyed every day. I even, I even got to the place where the book was done, and I, was, and I saved it, and my computer crashed. We got everything back on my computer but my book. I said, this is friggin' too much. So I called them one by one into my consciousness. And I said, what in the hell is going on? I wasn't very nice to them. I probably used another word, but it's okay. (laughs) What what are you trying to say to me? And they said, Danny, we don't want to say what you're writing for us to say. And I said, with all due respect, you are characters that I made up. I should be able to put dialogue in your mouth without you complaining. They said, you should. <laughs> but we just don't like what you're writing. And we, now that you created this, we have a reality. And we want our reality to take the form of what our reality is, not the reality you're giving us, because you're not capturing us well. And I said, so what do you want me to do? And they said, we want you to just listen to us. If you sit and go through your book, chapter by chapter, and ask us to tell you what we want to say, we will write that book and it'll be done in 30 days. I said, I want you to sign on that because I'm so friggin' frustrated three years of trying to do it. You'll do that for me? And I said, yes. 30 days to the day the the book was was done. And I am so happy, Les, that I allowed them to do it. Because when I was writing the book, I was writing the book from my perspective, telling people about the world that I saw. When they wrote the book, they wrote the book through their perspective, wanting to show me the world that they saw. I had excluded myself from my story. They wrote the story for me because they knew Touch Millions. And I am so, when I go back and I read it, or somebody reads it back to me, occasionally someone else will read a chapter or a verse or something like that, and they'll say something, and I'll go, wow, where did that come from? They said, that's in your book. And I said, I should know it, but I don't. It sounds so fresh and new. It's like virgin consciousness to me. And here's what I want to share with you, because you hinted to it in in your opening words. I mean, you didn't hint to it. You said it flat out. When, when a book is written, people spend their time on the words of the book. But there's an equal commodity in that, on that page that nobody takes time to look at. And that's the space between the words. The mosaic in the spaces between the words tells an entirely different story than the one of the story of the words. And for those who sit with it, for those who invite it to share with them the space between the words, it will start to extend that space so that the words become an interruption to the space rather than the space becoming an interruption to the words. And when, when we listen to that silence, it screams with joy. 
it uh, it um, it reminds me. Uh, it it seems like um, what the the space between the words do is the reconstitution of self. Yeah. Um, it well, like um, Mo in the beginning of the journey is is um, scattered and and through the encounters he reconstitutes um i don't know his authenticity his sense of self his groundedness in his being so to speak um you know it, it's funny you share how writing the book was was such a struggle i, I always think of you know when when people ask me about writing books, I'm like, well, writing your first book can be a lot like shitting a Buick. I mean, it's it's yeah. almost like it's almost like the book writes you and hundred and, billion and, percent. And and perhaps writer's block is when your mind wants to write it one way and it's incongruent with what really wants to be said. And uh, yeah. when, once you um once you let go so to speak of what the book really wants to be and that can be tough uh, to let go and let the book um bring on its own cadence its own content its own narrative um i think that's when books kind of transcend the i mean as you know you go in a bookstore there's what millions of books on this planet there's so many books and they have a book kind of blast through your stigma blast through your um who you were when you started reading it and kind of drag out of you pull out of you um uh a different person i i think the the mosaic is one of those books where it's really a simple read but simple. it's not it, it no. it's power it's very powerful that's I, I i believe you and i thank you for noticing that and so let's jump from the pages of a book to the pages of our life nice because when we take the space that exists in the between the spaces of what we do in the words that we say, in the actions we perform, in the way we move from one thing to another, and we allow that space to speak to us, right? what we'll see is an entirely different world. One of the beautiful things in the book that happened for me was that Mo, in going up to these ordinary people, I mean, he met a street worker and a, and a homeless guy and an artist and a juice man and a gardener and a waitress and he had a very clear vision of who he thought these people were but he heard the message let them tell you their story and in every single case when they told him their story the person he now saw was entirely different than the person he first saw the perspective he had on them completely changed and like Wayne used to say to me at Hay House when you change the world, the way you see the world, the world you see changes. And so 
he he had this incredible experience of seeing the world one way, listening to people tell him their story, and then seeing the world a completely different way. And at that point, he said, wow, what in the world do I see the way it actually is? Or do I see everything in the way I see the world to be? Right. When I, when I can say, when I can move myself out of the way, when I can listen to the quiet, when I can see the things that are behind the things that I see, what world would I see? What would suddenly become possible? Like it's great to read it in a book and put it down and say, powerful book, that's fun. But when the book transforms you into your day-to-day life, and you suddenly start to say, what would happen if the way I think is just the way I think? It isn't the way it is. What would open up for me? What would suddenly become possible that's not possible now? How would I be able to change my life to reflect the life that I see behind the life that I'm living? And do I have the courage to do that? If not, I understand. Believe me, I understand. But if people want to have that courage, if people want to find the courage to go against the grain, to look at what they initially see and to learn to see differently, to hear what the, what the, the space between the noise of their thoughts actually does, that's the person that I'm interested in playing with. Those are the innovators. Those are the game changers. Those are the people that make life a completely different place to live than the ones that we've walked behind before. Right. The the notion of um, the virgin opportunity in the moment. The and and a lot of times for our ego we'll we'll think that, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this or that and, and so in order to make it happen, I need to go get a degree, I need to um, in our linear minds, in our cultural minds, um, our, like our soul can show us a snapshot of potential of what our life might be, and our ego can't land it. It can't bring it in as a potential truth because it, the narrative is so contrary to the to what we've been living up to that moment. And I think the 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 passion of the heart the vision of the soul the the opportunity of love can take us in such a a gentle and loving way and and move us in in kind of a surreal kind of tr- transcendence or a a morphing of ourselves where it doesn't require a four year degree it doesn't require nearly as much as we think it does, but we never give it the opportunity to show us how graceful that change can be. Yes. I, I so, so agree with you. And when we continue to do things the way they've always been done, guess right. what happens? We continue to get the results we've always gotten. They call that normal. <laughs> That's right, and it's normal, and it's what most of us do, and that's why we're living in this dreamlike space, which I completely get. Look, if I had the chance to do it, I would probably choose to do that now. 
it's so much easier. It's so much, it's so much more um, sort of understandable. It, it doesn't go against the tide of what people are doing. But for me, I just couldn't do it. I felt dead in my life. I felt right. like I was living a life that was everybody else's desire for me to have, not mine. And I couldn't do that. So I had to stand up, but it takes tremendous courage to do that. It takes tremendous fortitude. One of the other things, if I have just a moment, I would love to share sure. just these four, these four practices of connection that the Mosaic taught me. <laughs> we think most of us think the connection is this, to have a brilliant conversation with a fascinating man like you, Les. I'm so thankful for to be on your show. And I love you so much. I hope this isn't the end of our conversation. I would love to talk more with you. But here's what happened. I love it. Thank you. For me as well. There are four steps to connection. This is what we're doing right now is actually the fourth step. The first step is we have to feel connected to ourselves. And just like my friend Neil had had no connection to himself, everything then was just a facade of what he was doing. He had all the good things. He was doing great things. But because there was no connection to himself, nothing about that moved the needle in him to like himself, to feel himself, to feel connected to himself. And until we take the time to get connected to ourselves, we have no idea what's, what's happening. And we, we spend time everywhere but ourselves. The second connection is to realize there's a connection to something greater than ourselves when we suddenly take down the walls that we have around ourselves that have connected us to ourselves and we look out and we say, whoa, wow, what, what happened here? Who created all this? There has to be something greater than us. And, and, and how, how is that possible? How do I get a connection to that being, the one that's greater than us, that's created all of these things? And there are billions of me's out there and how do I relate to all those different people? It becomes a huge thing because I create, I connect to the one that's greater than I. Right. When I connect and I see myself in the span of life, I look and I say, okay, now in that big span of life, what am I doing here? Like, what's my purpose? I mean, surely the creator didn't create this, all of this, and put me in it for no reason. And he, and, and he or she's never had somebody like me created because if there was he would never have needed to create me again and there will never be anyone in the future that does what I do because she won't let them copy what I do so this being that's here today is completely valuable and and essential to this moment because there's never before been anybody like me and never will be anybody like me again because I'll do what I'm here to do and that's how important the connection to our purpose is and then finally, when we're connected to ourselves, when we're connected to the one greater than ourselves, when we're connected to our purpose, and then we connect to each other, that's when Margaret Mead says that throughout all of history, it's always been a small group of people that have changed the welfare of the planet because they were purposeful people connected to self, connected to something greater than self, and connected to their purpose. They didn't have to agree. This whole idea of like-minded communities has to go away because it's separating us now. We have to sit in the fields with like and unlike minds and sit together, listen to each other, innovate with each other, hear what each other's saying because 
by you, by me understanding the way you see this, exactly what I'm looking at in a different way, it broadens my perspective. It allows me to have more opportunities. It allows me to discover that one thing that might make what was impossible to me a moment ago possible to me now because you've shown me a different way of seeing it. This is an exciting time to live in. I'm thrilled to live in this time. And it's for those of us who are ready to not do what has been done before, to come together and create the world that we dream of living in rather than the world we have to live in. We, we become the vehicle of the, of the desire of our humanity. I think, um, beautifully said, I, I very much um, like everything you've said. It, it is a most profound time to be alive, to, and, and to be the personification, if you will. I, while you were saying that, the, the notion of come to me as a child, come to me empty of self, empty of stigma, empty of expectation, and and just um, in that innocence, in that openness, in that emptiness, allows the, a much broader field of outcome, a much broader field of potential, a much broader field of um, transformation out of the old stigma into a more um, authentic, a more um, honoring, a more nurturing narrative for for ourselves and, and thus the collective. Very, very wonderful conversation here. I just love it. I <laughs> we got about too. we got about ten ten minutes left. Uh, where do you want to go with it at this point? We're going at fabulous. Um, so I think what we have to do is where we started in our in our conversation together. We have to have fun again. We've gotten so serious and we've gotten so <laughs> caught up in our own self-importance, right? And one of the right. things that I loved about our conversation together is we just sat and laughed and goofed around a little bit. It's like doing this is fun. When we're ourselves and we live our expression of ourselves, we can be ourselves and it's okay. We don't have to – like everything about Mosaic for me is that it's told me it's okay to be me. It's okay right. to do the goofy things. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to do crazy things. It's okay to, to, break, to break through barriers of things that people think spiritual people don't do because it's, it's just a new way. It's all an experiment, and why not have fun in the experiment of this life together because we are here to do something miraculous. There are miracles waiting to happen through us. We should celebrate and laugh and dance and sing and have fun together because miracles <laughs> are happening, right? Yeah. Instead oh, my God, yeah. three quarters yelling at each other and fighting each other. Like, what the heck are we doing that for? How, how mundane and, and infantile is that? Let's just listen well, to each other, laugh with each other, play with each other, have fun with each other, and celebrate this time because we got to get out of fear and get back into love. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the 
the the narrative. Um, like imagine the uh, 1950s, white picket fence, got home country, everybody walking in goose step with each other because reality was so, I don't know, locked down or or well defined or whatever. And if you look at that that narrative, how could it even possibly be that a sing, uh, a single persona multiplied over many people, but a single persona to wake up their consciousness, to connect with source at the core of their being, and then embody a whole new narrative that people are hungry for. People weren't really hungry for anything outside of the 1950 narrative. They were kind of complacent in in its its consistency. There is an artificial sense of safety and security to that. But look at it now, and it's a flipping karmic tsunami. I mean, <laughs> boats are flying around, and and long long standing narratives are crumbling in between our fingers. And so we're living in such a rich time of change in the collective of a of a planetary species. This is ginormous because the 2020 clobbered everybody on the planet upside the head with a fry pan. And so not only do we transcend our neighborhood of the 50s, but we're we're afforded an opportunity to draw in a new narrative in our own singular persona that and embody it. And like you say, isn't it time for love? It, boy, howdy, if you can, if you can don yourself with unconditional self-love, people are so hungry, hungry for a living personification of that because that's really the the juice, the elixir that that is lasting. You can't exhaust love. The more you spend it, the the more um, conducive to it you are, the more reactive you are to it, the more it becomes a natural reflection in your persona. So, damn, this is such... Um, a narrative that that wasn't even comprehended for thousands of years, and we're in the middle of it now. How flipping cool is that? <laughs> Amazing. And, and I just want to give people three simple things that they can do, if I can, just to leave them with something to take it from the the, the philosophy of what we're talking about, the beauty of what we're talking about, to very practical, simple things. Over the course of my life, I've had the opportunity to sit and listen and talk with literally millions of people. I've made it my life's purpose to find out not what separates us, because that's easy. We're separating ourselves from color of skin, from border, by religion, by how much money we make or don't make, what section of the world of the city we live in or what cardboard box we lay on. We know what separates us. I wanted to find out what were the things that people wanted that if we could give them, they would come together and they would join together and they would connect together. And in millions of conversations, Les, one of the, the things that I found was that everybody said in one form or another, one of these things, three things or all of these three things. 
Everybody wanted to be loved and accepted. Everybody wanted to be listened to and heard. And everybody wanted to be seen and acknowledged. And when I realized that, I realized those are the simplest things in the world to do. It's so much easier to love somebody than to hate somebody. It's so much easier to listen to them than than to shut them out. It's so much easier to see them than to say, you're not there. I don't see you. How can I? I'm walking right past you. It's actually so easy. And we all want it. I want it. I don't want to be fixed. I want to be loved. I don't, and so when I realized that people wanted that, I just started to say, that's what I'm going to do. And here's the amazing thing, Les. I don't know how it works. I really can't tell you. If someone said to me, Denny, what is it that happens? I have no friggin' idea. But I know when I love somebody and I accept them, when I listen to them and I hear them, when I see them and I acknowledge them, walls come down. They feel safe. When their walls come down and they feel safe, they allow me to see into them and I allow them to see into me. And we have intimacy. And when there's intimacy with no walls preventing the energy going between us, that's when miracles happen. People suddenly get well of illnesses. Business opportunities open. Money comes to them that had no entry before. Friendships develop. Uh, Disagreements uh, start to to not be disagreements anymore. Miracles are waiting right in the breath that we take for us to live them. And I just want to invite people, if nothing we said today touches them, I want to invite people to imagine the possibility that they are one piece of a mosaic away from an entirely new experience and to take that chance. Walk away from what people think you should do and walk towards what you know you have to do. And if you need help, I'm here for you. Find me. I'm here for you. Well, on that thread, how do people find you? How do they get their book? Take some time now and really convey your platform and your material so the audience can connect with you. Thank you so much, Les. What a kind gesture. The Mosaic is is available on Amazon. They would find The Mosaic by Daniel Levin. Um, It would be my honor if the people listening would read that and let me know how they experience it. People are having amazing experiences with it. It would be my honor to hear your experience. Please get that book. It's $12. It's not, you know, it's not going to break your bank. You can also, if you like my voice, people told me they like my voice. I read it. So it's available from Amazon or on, um, or whatever. It's available on Amazon. To, as a, as a uh, an audio book, um, you can find me at danielbrucelevin.com. If you're if you're a company that wants to start to work in a different way, if you're if you want to bring the pieces of your company together to create the mosaic of what you're doing, go to danielbrucelevin.com. I'm rearranging that website to be a 
to be a company website where I work with companies to help them see differently, to innovate, to bring the pieces, all the opinions, all the people, all the thoughts of all the people that aren't a part of their company right now to be a part of their company, to make each piece be a part of this beautiful artistry of the company that they create. And if you're an individual, I'm working now to redo my website, the Mosaic Online, that will have resources for individuals about how to live the life that they want to live. So it will all be available. Um, I, I am, I'm happy for you to get in touch with me. I am completely accessible. I want to be accessible. I want to be with you. And anything that I can do, please just contact me. Less, I'm gonna. You'll have my email. They can email me directly. Uh, I'd be happy to have that happen. I'm on Clubhouse and Clubhouse rooms, uh, and they're more than welcome to join the Mosaic Club on Clubhouse. We do. We're taking a little break right now, but we did rooms every day, two hours a day of rooms every day for four and a half, for four or five months. We just took a little break for a little while to reposition ourselves. But there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of access. And it doesn't have to be through me. Find people that you trust and let them into you. See yourself. Trust yourself. Believe in that voice that whispers to you. And allow that to take you on the greatest adventure you've ever been around. You will be thrilled by what you find. I have big love for everybody. Les, thank you again and again for the honor of being here with you. I love you, brother. I love being here with you, and I'd love to stay in touch. Well, I want to thank you, Daniel, for being our guest tonight. I knew the hour would fly by like a flashbulb, and we're pretty much out of time, so thank you for being our guest tonight. I've... (laughs) I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Me too. Thank you so much, bro. We've been talking with um, Daniel Bruce Levin, and he's the author of the book, The Mosaic. And um, The Mosaic is such a simple read. It's, it's a beautiful book. It's I think it's 150 pages, but... Um, it's it's such a delightful read. I, I very much recommend the book to to reconstitute aspects of yourself that might have um, fallen dormant along your path. Um, you can hear the the passion and the compassion in Daniel's voice for humanity. It's quite palatable and. Um, I want to thank him again for being on the show. It's my pleasure. It's my purpose to bring you, the listener, opportunities to look again at your life with perhaps virgin eyes and see new potentials, new narratives, new directions that can help you more fully embody your potential. Mandy's really hungry for genuine, authentic people. And I want to thank you, the listener, for showing up for yourself tonight. You've you've stayed with us in this episode, and I applaud you for that. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Always a pleasure. Until next time, thanks for listening.
This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.